I love to watch uh, a program called Restoration Man, Channel 4. Maybe you watch it. Uh, George Clark. And uh, love seeing people come alongside George Clark or vice versa, whatever it is, and seeing some wreck, some pile of stones. And uh, I, always, I sometimes wonder why on earth whenever there's only two walls and no roof. Uh, but people have obviously seen something. And they, they see not necessarily what we see. They see what the restored outcome is going to be. And uh, it's a wonderful story of blood, sweat, tears, mortgage, relationship strain, hard work. <laughs> and uh, sort of in a way, you start by watching the program, and everyone's so optimistic, and they have a 2,000-pound budget, and you think, it's all going to end in tears. But hopefully, it's all going to end really well, but there's going to be tears in the way. And, uh, but actually, the title Restoration Man doesn't belong to George Clark. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the Restoration Man. And so what we've been seeing over these last number of weeks in looking at God's big picture is that Jesus Christ is restoring the kingdom of God. He has restored it. He is restoring it. And ultimately, he will completely restore it. Next week, we look at the perfected kingdom, the last in our series. We're really looking at well, what will it look like whenever the kingdom is in all of its fullness? No tears, no sickness, no death, no suffering. God's people in God's place gathered round the light of the world, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain on the throne in the place of ruling. And yet he still has the marks on his hands to show how it all came into being. How was the kingdom restored? It was restored through Jesus Christ doing the great swap and us going free and him going to his death. We're like Barabbas in the, in the wonderful passion story. We expect to hear the words of condemnation come out to be executed, but someone comes into Barabbas' cell and says, Barabbas, you're set free. We're here because we've been baptized into the story of Jesus Christ. This story that we're looking at over these weeks is the story of everything. Not the theory of everything, because that's only a theory. We live in the midst of the story of everything. The story of Jesus Christ making all things new. Second Corinthians 5 says that if anyone is in Jesus Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone the new is here. That is the reality of the kingdom of God. That's what it means on those trees throughout Northern Ireland. The kingdom of God is nigh. The kingdom of God is here because it's right here. Because Jesus Christ has brought the kingdom of God among us and it is growing. It is unstoppable. He's given us an outline as to what it looks like to live in this time between his first coming and his second coming, what the Bible calls the last days. That first of all, it would be the giving of the Holy Spirit. And 10 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, the Holy Spirit, boom, came in power on Pentecost Sunday, and the church was born. And then the gospel, the good news, would be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And that's something that we're still working at 2,000 years on. And then Jesus said, then I will return. And the whole kingdom will come to utter fulfillment. Tears gone, sickness gone, death gone, just complete, full kingdom reality. 
Jesus Christ is inviting us, has invited us by his proclamation into this story of everything, which is everyone, everywhere, every day. That's what our baptism is all about. It's being immersed into the kingdom of God. And then we become his agents everywhere, every day, every single one of us. That's what he's calling us into. But how do we go about proclaiming the kingdom of God? What does it look like for us as people who have been accepted by Jesus Christ? This is the wonderful thing we've been celebrating in these recent weeks. The fact that you and I have become completely acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He now looks at us as he would have, and looks at his son. He just loves us and he accepts us because of who Jesus is and what Jesus Christ has done. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit. He has placed the Holy Spirit within us. The thing that would have caused terror in the Old Testament now causes celebration because God has come and he has created his dwelling place within us. So how do you and I help us to get to the place of the fulfillment of the kingdom by proclaiming the kingdom of God on earth, proclaiming the good news on earth? Well, at the start of his ministry, in the proclamation of Jesus, Jesus quotes from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 61, in that well-known moment in the synagogue where Jesus says, this is my manifesto, this is what I'm here for, this is what it's all about. And he says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That is God's word to us. Who are the they in the passage? It's the poor among whom we are numbered. It is the poor who will be called oaks of righteousness. It is the poor who will rebuild the ancient ruins that have, of the cities that have lain devastated for generations. This is the amazing way that God works. Jesus came not just to declare the good news of the kingdom to the poor, he came to advance the kingdom of God through the poor. We may think, well, if you were trying to restore everything, if you were trying to restore everything back to the way it was at the very beginning, the original and the best, I know my initial reaction would be, well, you go to the center. You go to the places of influence. You go to the places of power. Go to the places of wealth. You go to those places, and if you restore the center, then you will restore everything. 
because surely it's the place of power and wealth and authority on earth. The places that look as if they've got it all sorted out, that's the place you go to in order to restore everything. It's the basis of our economic model, the Thatcherite model. You make the rich richer and everyone flourishes. There's only one problem. It doesn't actually work. See, the kingdom of God works in exactly the opposite direction. So where was Jesus born? Where did Jesus grow up? He grew up in the back of beyond on the edge of the Roman Empire in a place called Palestine. And not only did he, was he born and grew up in, in the backwater, he grew up in the backwater of the backwater because Galilee was the backwater of Palestine. He was born in a stable. He became a refugee. Was this because the father was trying to make it more difficult for his son? No, it's because God the Father knows if you want to restore everything, you don't start in the center, you start on the edges. You always start on the margins. You always start with the poor. God works in mysterious ways. And so Jesus comes and he declares in Luke chapter 6, blessed are you who are poor because yours is the kingdom of God. So to whom has the kingdom of God been given? It has been given to the poor because that is how God has chosen to restore absolutely everything. That's why he placed his son among the poor. That's why Jesus always went to the poor. The Gospels are story after story of Jesus going to those who are poor and having compassion on them. And so Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 6, we read about Jesus landing in a boat at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and the people have already come round to meet the boat. And as he gets off the boat, he sees the crowds, and they are like sheep without a shepherd, and his heart goes out to them. And so he begins to teach them many things about the kingdom of God, about the good news that God has brought the restoration. He's bringing the restoration of all good things. And where's he starting? He's starting with all these poor people from Galilee and around the Lake of Galilee, and he's starting with the poorest of the poorest. Blessed are you who are poor, said Jesus, because yours is the kingdom of God. Outside Jericho in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus encounters two blind men, and he goes to them. He has compassion on them, the Bible tells us. And he goes, he touches them both, he restores their sight. They immediately get up and they follow him. Jesus had compassion, and so he taught. He had compassion, and so he healed. And he had compassion, so he fed. The wonderful story in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus, thousands of people have gathered around to hear the good news. The kingdom of God, the place of restoration, is actually being given to the poor. And so he says to his disciples, these people are going to faint if they go from here towards home. They haven't been, they've been here for three days. They have nothing to eat. I have compassion on them. And so he says, let's feed them. The compassion of Jesus Christ is much more than pity. Pity is seeing poverty and doing something about that poverty. Compassion is seeing not just poverty, but also potential. 
So when Jesus Christ came to us in the midst of our poverty, he didn't just see our poverty, he also saw our potential. That's what compassion looks like. Compassion isn't mere charity. Compassion is the restoration of all things. So he has come to us in the midst of our poverty. And our poverty, it takes all sorts of different forms. There's spiritual poverty, physical poverty, ill health. There's mental poverty. Could be depression, mental illness, anxiety, cultural poverty, intellectual poverty. There's all sorts of different poverty. We're all here today because we have sensed something of our poverty. Today we may be saying, well, how could, how could God build his kingdom in and through me? You don't know what my past is like, Nigel. He, he wouldn't choose someone like me to extend the kingdom of God. The wonderful thing the Bible tells us is that you're exactly the type of person that God will build the kingdom of God through. Because God's goodness and God's glory and God's power shows up most powerfully in the midst of weakness. That's what our reading is all about. In fact, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians is written because here's a church that Paul himself planted, and he planted it in the midst of people who had broken lives. They were, they were sinful, they were broken, they were marginalized people, and over time, God did restoration work and healing work which is great. But the problem that had emerged was with that healing, pride started to emerge. And so the church started to say, you know what? We need better leaders. We need better preachers. We don't like that guy, Paul. We need people who are more intelligent, who are better preachers than Paul. He's too short. He's follically challenged. We want people who are better than Paul. And so Paul writes the letter, 2 Corinthians, and what he's basically saying is he's writing as a father, but he's also writing as a father to chastise. And he's saying, you've, you've, you've lost the plot. Don't you recognize the fact that God works in from the margins? God works in the midst of poverty. That's how he restores things. We have this treasure, Paul says, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us but from God. The, in modern parlance, he's saying this. We have this treasure of the kingdom of God in a cardboard box. And we've been given it in a cardboard box so that everyone knows the treasure is not the cardboard box. The treasure is the treasure. The treasure is the kingdom of God. Who are the cardboard boxes? You and I are the cardboard boxes. We are loved by God. He has met us in the midst of our poverty. But he hasn't declared the kingdom of God to us just to bring healing and forgiveness and life and hope to us. He's advancing the kingdom of God through us. And so he's given us this the picture I have is this open cardboard box with the treasure of God, the riches of the kingdom of heaven inside. And it's open because it's, it's for everybody. Freely we've been given, so freely we give away. 
This is how the kingdom of God grows. So this morning you may say, you know, I've, I've only been a Christian for a week. I've only been a Christian for a day. How would God use someone like me? And God says, you're exactly the type of person that I want to use. Or to say, I- I'm so young, how would God use me? I'm so old, how would God use me? I've got physical health issues, how would God use me? I suffer from depression, how would God use me? And God's answer is, it is exactly you that the kingdom of God shows up most powerfully in because God works in from the margins. It's how St. Patrick worked. St. Patrick with his little band, they would, they would go along and they would pitch camp up beside a little village somewhere in Ireland. And so they had a monastic community that wasn't behind stone walls. They had a monastic community that was mobile. And so they would go and they would pitch up tent uh, just outside an encampment. And then they would go in. Over the course of weeks or months, they would go in and they would, they would bind up wounds and they would pray for healing and they would see healing and they would... They would show mercy and they would go to the people who are lonely and who are broken and who are forgotten. They would go to the very margins, the edges of society. They would go to the poorest of the poor, the people, the, the people whose society seemed to have forgotten. And they would bless them and they would provide for them and they would share their things with them and they would minister to them and they would bring healing in Christ's name and they would teach them about the kingdom of God. Then they would up sticks and they would move another encampment, and they would camp outside another encampment, and they'd do the same thing again and again. And that's how this country was transformed. Because Patrick and many like him were just mobile evangelists who went from place to place, and they prayed the name of Jesus, and they saw physical healing, and they saw people released from captivity, and they saw broken lives healed, and they saw relationships reconciled, and they saw people who felt hopeless having hope again because they realized the kingdom of God was for people just like them. I've been really encouraged recently about Bangor. That may sound a strange thing to say given the fact the flagship center is closed and Danske Bank is going to close in May. But actually, I've seen and heard so many things over this last number of months of what God is doing in the midst of this town through his people. I've heard story after story of of Christians and churches reaching out and doing more and more about helping people who are on the margins and who are experiencing poverty, whether it's spiritual, mental, physical, cultural, whatever it happens to be. I've heard of people hungry to hear about Jesus Christ, people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, wonderful, miraculous answers to prayer in this last week, people saying, how could God fix this? It seems impossible. And God then saying, boom, there you go. There's a miraculous answer to your prayer. This is the story of everything that Jesus Christ has called us into. This is what we've been baptized into. Everyone, every day, everywhere. It's the calling of God in your life to go under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, to go to anywhere that you see in your day-to-day life that I see in my day-to-day life where there's some type of poverty. It, It could be poverty. Someone who 
physically seems to have everything, financially seems to have everything, but you know what? They have no hope. They're completely without hope. Their life is a mess. Financially, physically, they have everything. They've got health, they've got lots of money in the bank, but actually there's no sparkle in their eye because they're poor, because spiritually they're bankrupt. Or perhaps people who are physically ill. When we encounter anybody who's physically ill, then there's that moment when we have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Lord, is this, do you want me to stop here? Is this person, is this a, a good deed with my name on it? Is this an opportunity for me to pray for healing in Jesus' name and to see his kingdom come? Or when we encounter poverty, we say, actually, I have financial, physical resources. I could give something to, to alleviate this situation of poverty, whether it's in South America or whether it's in Bangor or wherever it happens to be. Every one of us, every day, everywhere. And where will the Spirit send us? To all the places and people that are broken. All the places of poverty. Because this is how God is restoring the kingdom of God on earth. He's not starting in the center. He's not starting in the places of wealth and influence. He's starting on the edges. And he will always start on the edges. And that's why the whole kingdom of God project looks so unimpressive. That's why Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. Because people failed to see how powerfully God was working through the Apostle Paul. And so they're all saying, that guy Paul, because they failed to recognize the power of God. So this morning, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you about the fact that this morning, if there is a need in your life, a need for more joy, a need for more freedom, a need for more physical power and strength and energy, a need for debts to be released, a need for a job, a need for uh, a sense of purpose, uh, a need for loneliness to be overturned. I want to encourage you this morning to come when the band are playing and towards the end, come forward and just say, Lord, I'm taking a step of faith. I'm walking towards the front this morning and I have a need and I'm saying, Lord, meet the need. In the name of Jesus, meet the need. But also know that in the midst of that, as we do that, we are offering ourselves for service. So as we come and we say, Lord, I'm not sure how you can use me. Uh, you know, whether there's, we feel that physically or emotionally or mentally or intellectually or relationally or socially or something, we say, Lord, I wouldn't choose me. If I were you, I wouldn't choose me. What well, the Lord is saying to you this morning, I choose you. I have called you by name, you are mine. And I am not only going to meet your need and show compassion on you, I am going to fulfill your potential because the restoration of all things includes the restoration of you. Do you want to become the original and best that Jesus Christ made you to be? That's what the restoration of all things is about. 
but know the fact it's not just for our sake. It's not even for the sake of the world. It's for the glory of Jesus Christ. So that everybody will know it's not the cardboard box. It's what's in the cardboard box. So I've asked the prayer team as, as they move. I'm going to ask all the prayer team to come forward during this next song. And feel free to come forward. And what I'd love the prayer team to do is you can tell them what you want prayer for or just say pray for me. They're going to pray for healing. They're going to pray for fulfilling of the kingdom of God in your life. Whatever type of poverty you're experiencing, they're going to pray that God will fill it. But they're also going to pray and they're going to declare, they're going to prophesy. They're going to declare Bible verses. They're going to declare pictures they see. They're going to declare something of what they see in their mind's eye as the Spirit speaks to them about where God is taking you and what the Lord is going to do through you. Because that is the essence of prophecy. The essence of prophecy is people saying, actually, Lord, you're giving me a glimpse of what the future would look like if you were in control.